Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Thank you for making this message a part of your week. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we would love for you to visit our tribe family. We meet on Sundays at the Snow King Conference Center. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us online or on Facebook by searching tribejh.com. If you have your Bible with you this morning, would you start with me in the book of Psalms? We're going to start in Psalms chapter 68. My eyes are a lot better. Last time I was here, I don't know, I had a case of like Mongolian fuzzy eyes or something, but my eyes were just not working. Uh, I found my glasses and my eyes are working a lot better this time, so praise the Lord. Uh, Psalms chapter 68 And I'm going to read just two verses to you. Uh, Scroll down to verse 5. And from the New Living Translation, it says this. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. So that's like a title about God. Father to the fatherless, defender of the widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Now, this is the verse that I want to end with today. But I had to read it first so that you would have it in your mind. But if we're going to end in Psalms 68, we have to, we have to, before we can get there, I need to take you to the book of Mark. And so now, turn over to the book of Mark. I'm going to turn there myself. Keep your... Keep your mind or your finger or a bookmark in Psalm 68. That's where we're going to land, but we have to start in the book of Mark. And I want to read a story to you from Mark chapter 4. And I'm not going to read the entire story. Most of you are probably familiar with it. If you're brand new to discovering the Bible, man, read this story when you get a chance because it, it's awesome. Mark chapter four, and I'm gonna start reading in verse uh, 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking onto the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. It's an interesting detail, with his head on a cushion. Good for you. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why were you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the idea with that sentence is, it's not that they didn't have any faith, but he was asking them, Guys, why weren't you using the faith that you have already been equipped with? He wasn't rebuking them. He was like, guys, come on. Verse 41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's keep reading. So they arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. Okay, now let's go to uh, verse 15 of Chapter five, 
So Jesus casts a demon uh, and many demons out of this guy. And it says that if you don't know the story about this guy, um, he lived in and among the tombs and he was howling and, and, and shrieking and they, people would try to chain him up and he would snap loose of the chains and he would, he would walk around without any clothes on and just, he was just a wild, scraggly man that was tormented. Verse 15, uh, then Jesus heals him. And in verse 15, it says this, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all afraid. And then jump down to verse 19. The man wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said, no, no, no. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Two main characters in the story that I just read. The first one is this demon-possessed guy. And when you read this story, it's difficult to imagine a guy that actually lived in conditions like this. What we have to do is, is really use and stretch our imagination. Maybe there was somebody like in the town that we grew up in, you know, that, that was, you know, a little, little touched or, or something, but, but, but when's the last time in our modern society, somebody ever lived in a graveyard, walking around and howling, scratching themselves and, and just completely tormented and demented. We don't really have that in, in, our, in our normal everyday experience. We have to imagine something like this. He's a, like a, a dirty, distant, removed character. Like, it's difficult to, to, to Imagine, like nobody roams around in the tombs naked. Um, we don't have like legions of demons tor tormenting us and, and we don't see anybody walking around town with just like shackles and chains uh, hanging off of them. And so we tend to think of this character as, as distant and far and removed. However, each and every one of us are a whole lot more like this character than we would ever really want to admit, even to ourselves. Just consider this with me for a moment. Many of us, all of us, we have a tendency to spend our life dwelling in and chasing dead things. Things that we think will be able to provide meaning and fulfillment and life that we're so hungry for but actually are completely dead because they have no capacity to impart life to us. Things that we pursue and chase, mountain biking, rock climbing, skiing, real estate, promotions, uh, possession, you know, all of those things, they don't have within them the capacity to impart life. Now they can be fun and they can be adventurous, and they can be a distraction, and they can be a diversion, and in of themselves, there, there's nothing wrong with them. But the problem is we try to pursue those things to stuff them into our life and into our heart, thinking that those things will provide us with life. And so in many ways, all of us 
are like this guy wandering around in the tombs, going from tomb to tomb to, to headstone to headstone. Well, will, will this provide meaning for me? Will, will, will this bring me satisfaction? Will this stop that aching restlessness that I feel? Nope, 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 nope. We don't have a legion of demons tormenting us, right? But listen to what Ephesians chapter two, verse one and three says. You can just write it down. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Boy, it's a great message, Pastor Brian. Woo, ha, woo, loving this. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passion and passion, desires, and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So this guy had a legion of demons on the inside of him. I don't think there would be anybody in here that would be like, well, gosh, like, I, I mean, I, I'm not a host to like, like ugh, demonic forces operating in my life. Oh, that's scary. That's for like that guy in the story, but not me. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I mean, that, ugh. But the truth is, for anybody that has not invited Jesus into their heart and made him the leader of their life and made Jesus the master of their life, they're actually serving another master. It would be as if you were born into a prison camp and all you ever knew was slave labor. You would have no idea or concept of what freedom really was. And that's the truth for every single person because we have come from this guy named Adam at the very beginning of time. When Adam sinned, the Bible says that sin entered the world because of Adam and then through Adam, all of us are related. I love what Cross Movement said. They said sin's fatal long before the cradle because it creeped in through your navel. <laughs> and so... And so you might think like, hey, I'm a pretty good guy, you know, like, you know, I'm checking out this Jesus stuff or, you know, I go to church or maybe this is the first time you've ever been to church um, and you haven't given your life to Jesus and you think, well, maybe I haven't given my life to Jesus, but I certainly ain't serving the devil. That's like a person who's been born and raised in a, in a prison camp saying, well, I'm free. You actually have no clue what freedom is. And you are a slave to your own selfish ambitions and desires and sin and iniquity that, that lives in your heart. This is a good message, right? <laughs> it's truth, it's truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. And then it says that this guy wandered around uh, through the tombs with, with chains, that, chains that, that he would break and, and shackles on his arms and legs that he would clank around. I can just picture the mind, the, the image in my mind. But nobody today, we don't see anybody walking around with chains today. We don't hear them and perhaps we don't see them. But each and every one of us know that given the chance our heels would be dogged by past failures, by past mistakes, when we've blown it. And those things, like our, our past, it's called sin, 
that we just drag around with us, unless it's cut off and dealt with. We just drag it around. It doesn't matter how fast you run, that stuff just follows you. It doesn't matter how much, like, okay, from now on, I'm going to be a good person. Great, okay, whatever that means. But you still got these chains. Each and every one of us aren't too different from the guy here in this story. It are these chains of regrets and failures, fear and addictions that weigh us down, chains that hold us back from reaching God's potential in our life, our fullest potential that God has for us. The other character in this story is a guy named Jesus. And we have seen a little bit about what this uh, roughed up character looked like, but have you ever thought about all that Jesus went through to just set foot on the lake and meet this man? Christian, I have a, a, a picture that I gave you um, and I want to show you this picture really quick. So you have the Sea of Galilee and uh, somewhere up there around Capernaum, if you can see that picture, uh, read the words on there, kind of up at the top left of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this is where Jesus was doing a lot of his ministry. And if you look at Mark chapter uh, 2, Mark chapter 3, and even Mark chapter 4, Jesus' ministry was blowing up like everywhere Jesus would set his foot, revival was beginning to break out. He does this one Bible study in a guy's house and there's such a demand that people are crowding outside of the house just to try to listen to him and then the roof gets peeled off and somebody gets lowered down and after that, anytime Jesus would, would gather to teach, the crowds were so big, he had to, twice, he had to, he got pressed down to the, right down to the uh, lakeside and he had to step into the boat and get pushed out into the water so that he could speak to all of these people. Miracles were happening. His ministry was blowing up. And then he says, let's get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. Well, where was he going? Um, scholars believe that he was going down to this region. If you can see down there at the lower right, it says Gadara. And so somewhere near that. So the distance, if you were to draw a straight line across the Sea of Galilee, uh, it could be as many as 8 to 12 miles. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever rowed a boat or sailed a boat, um, but, but 8 miles uh, across a, a big body of water with a storm coming up is a long way. He leaves the popular ministry, and he gets in a boat. He travels by boat, he's exhausted, we know this, because he's, he falls asleep in the boat, a storm gets whipped up, he does battle with the storm, and then on the other side of the lake, after he's ministered to this one guy that says the villagers come out, and they just invite him to leave. He gets rejected by all of the people on that side of the lake this time around. But despite all of that, he just came for the one, that one guy. Despite all that he has to go through, Jesus would do a thousand times over to come to us. That guy, just think of how lonely he was. Think of how lonely he was. Jesus comes to find us to place us in the family. 
I told you that we were going to end at Psalms 68, verse 5 and 6, but we had to start in Mark chapter 4. Okay, so now we can get to the ending now. Mark chapter, excuse me, Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6. I want to read it to you from the Passion Translation. From the Passion Translation, it says this. And I think I have it on the screen. There it is. To the fatherless, he is a father. To the widow, he is a champion friend. To the lonely, he makes them a part of a family. To the prisoners, he leads into prosperity until they sing for joy. This is our holy God in his holy place. But for rebels, there is heartache and despair. That last sentence, but for the rebels, there's heartache and despair. When you look at that verse in one of the languages that the original Hebrew was translated into, which was Aramaic, in the Aramaic, that last sentence, the last sentence says this, and the rebels will dwell among tombs. Each of us was like that man wandering among the tombs. We were lost and without hope, and then Jesus came to find us, to rescue us, and to save us. He did that by dying on the cross and shedding his blood for, the, for our sins, but he also heals us by being a good father to us. Have you ever thought of that? We know that the, the blood of Jesus shed on the cross can forgive our sins for our healing. The Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. But have you ever thought about God bringing healing to us by being a good father? When we receive him, encounter him, interact, engage with him, from the lens of you are a good father. That actually brings healing to our sin-sick lives. He heals us by being a champion friend. He heals us by continually leading us into prosperity, being good to us even when we don't deserve it. And listen to this, he heals us by putting us in a family. You got a, a family that you were born into. Maybe you had a great family. Maybe you never had a family. Maybe you had an awful family. Thank goodness that's not the only family that you'll ever have. When it says that he places the lonely in family, he's not just talking about people that share the last name, but he's talking about this right here, a church. This is the family that God has in mind for you. You know, your last name might be, uh, it might be Summers, it might be Ridgeway, it might be Stores, but this family has a last name too. It's called Tribe. And God has placed you here. Even if you're just visiting for this one Sunday, God's placed you in this family, like Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family. <laughs> like it or not. So let me just say this. I wanna, I wanna try to tie a bow on it with this. Um, when, when Selah was in the hospital and we got word out to uh, a few friends, um, suddenly we started receiving a, a flood of text messages of people praying for us and uh, praying for Selah. And, um, and it was, what we were going through was emotionally for us 
but the love and support that, that we had from our tribe fam was amazing. And I was talking with a, a friend of mine, Brad, um, sometime this past week, and we were talking about how, man, everybody needs a church family. Like here you are here spending a little bit of your time Sunday morning in this church family, sitting with people maybe you know or maybe they're new friends to you. I mean, you just traded a hip bump with them at the beginning of the service, so they're good friends now. But just think for a moment, how many thousands of people that live in this valley or if you're visiting us from your home that, that have no church family, do you, do you realize the, the, the strength that comes from being a part of a church family, I mean, it's, it's transformative. That's a fancy word, but it's a good word. Just, so are you saying just being here, like coming and sitting down, laughing at this preacher's jokes, like it, it, yeah. This is a part of what it means to be in a spiritual family. Just being here, could be considered a, a, a spiritual discipline. Just being in this community this morning, right now, can have a transformative impact on your life. And not just this room, but, but think of how many different uh, uh, children's ministry environments that we have going on in this other room. They're part of that church family right now in their rooms. Nursery, kindergarten, first and second grade, third and fourth and fifth grade. This might be worth writing down. God created families for people to survive. God created church families for people to thrive. Oh, one more time, Amanda. God created, pe God created families for people to survive, but God created church families for people to thrive. And the last thing that I'm going to say about uh, being a part of a church family, um, I have Ben Bartlett's attention now, um, is the, the picture that I got in my mind um, is, is like, like this football. Many people would come to church, um, they, would, they would sit down, you know, maybe they sing, maybe they, you know, maybe they take notes, maybe they pay attention, maybe they're just here. Uh, they want to be a part of the family. They have needs. There's things that are going on in their life. Um, they need some type of transformation, right? But they think that, that by just, like, being really passive, that something is going to happen. It would be like walking into a group of people holding a football under your arm, wishing that somebody would play catch with you. To get the most out of this church family, to get the most out of a game of catch, what do you have to do? Like, I desperately want somebody to throw me the football because I want to play catch with somebody. But what do I have to do? Wes, if I want to play catch, I just have to throw the ball to somebody. And when I threw it to you, what? What if Wes just received the ball and was like, thanks, and just put it right under his seat? That's not a game of catch. <laughs> being, a part of a, being a part of a family 
is like a game of catch. There's this back and forth. Many of y'all come hoping to, to catch something. Well, the best way to, 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 to catch that connection with God, that connection with other young adults, that, that connection of healing, that, that encounter with the Holy Spirit, the best way that you can receive that is if you offer that up. And how does, okay, so what does that look like? This is the last thing I'm gonna say. What is that, what, what is that, what does this look like for me practically? A couple things. You can write it down or remember it. Um, uh, you can, during worship, you can sing. Just sing. That's you tossing the ball out to the Lord. Just sing. Um, you, can, you can dig into the word. Like I see you're taking notes. That's awesome. Dig into the word. Take notes. That's, that's you tossing the ball to the Lord because now you've got these notes. Hopefully they'll make it into your Bible and hopefully tomorrow morning before you start your day, you'll open up your Bible and there it'll be as you're starting your quiet time, putting that wood on the fire, right? What else? Um, I saw it happening a lot in here this morning. It just thrilled my heart. People shaking hands, people high-fiving, people hugging, like people like, like greeting other people. And here's the tendency. The tendency is if you're new, the tendency is to just, you know, you wouldn't come to church unless you didn't want to play some amount of catch, even if it's just one or two people. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Okay, that's good. You're overwhelmed. But most of us come to church because we want to play catch. We want that interaction. We want that transformation. But if you come to church just holding the football every week, then, then how's anybody going to throw you the football? The best thing that you can do is toss your football to other people. Well, what does that look like? Okay, even if it's your first day here, I see a lot of new faces. Since Easter, we've been seeing a lot of new faces and new families that are sticking and becoming part of our tribe fam. Just pretend like you've been here since we launched tribe two and a half years ago. You just stick your hand out. Just say hi to somebody. Greet them. You never know. Even though you might be hurting and lonely and broken on the inside, you never know that you reaching out saying hi to somebody could be that extension of drawing somebody into a family. God takes the lonely and he places them in a family. I'm so thankful for this family. I pray that each and every one of you would treasure this family, love this family, serve this family. And if you're just visiting from another church, you just get your little biscuits back home when you're done seeing the sights here in Jackson Hole. And you get back home and you love your church family because God's placed you in there. We're all lonely in one way or another, but he takes us and he places us in family to love us, to bring healing to our lives. Close your eyes. Father, I pray for anybody in here that maybe they've, maybe this is their first time new to tribe. Uh, maybe they have uh, 
visited before, maybe they come regularly, but there's still just this sense of, of deep loneliness that's in their heart. Oh, Lord, that loneliness, that feeling of loneliness, the Lord is just whispering to my heart, the picture that I see is like a, a gauge on a car. That feeling of loneliness is just a gauge registering that something else is going on. What is that that's going on? God is placing within you a desire, a hunger for relationship with Him. If you feel lonely, it is because He's placing within you a desire for connection with Him. You might think, oh, I need new friends, or I need some friends, or ah. Uh. No. That's like when the gas gauge goes low and you fill up the washer fluid. Close, but eh, not quite. God is inviting you into a, a deeper place of relationship with Him. And that's going to happen through this community of believers called family. Father, thank you for taking the lonely and placing them in family. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray against anything that would cause a person to feel that they are on the outside, that they don't have any network of support. Father, fill with your presence right now. Fill that, that vacuum, that sense of loneliness. The truth is, you place us in family. We've got members that feel a part of this family, even though they're hundreds or thousands of miles away that watch the live stream every week and they're tuning in right now. Father, connect us as family. Father, my prayer is that every single person in Jackson Hole would find a family in the church, in your church. And if that's tribe, awesome. And Lord, I pray for anybody that maybe identifies with that man wandering through the tombs, that just like your word says, the rebel you take in place as if they're wandering in tombs, going from dead thing to dead thing to dead thing, trying to find life. Father, I pray that that person this morning would find life in you, Jesus. And I want to pray for you real quick. If there's anybody in here this morning that has never invited Jesus into their heart and they can identify with that rebel that's wandering around in the tombs, today you want to stop wandering around in the tombs. Today you want to stop chasing dead things, trying to find life, and you want to turn to Jesus who literally is life. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am life. It's so simple and so profound. All you have to do is invite Jesus into your heart by, by saying this prayer. And I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And if you need to say this prayer for the very first time, or you're like, ooh, I've, I, I'm realizing I've spent way too much time wandering around in tombs, and you wanna rededicate your life to the Lord, then you say this prayer with me. And here's how it's gonna work today. I'm just gonna say some words and I want you in the stillness of your heart to just repeat them. I'm like giving you a prompt. I'm gonna guide you in this prayer, but you say it in the stillness of your heart and then at the end, there'll be an opportunity for, for you to respond in a way. So it's simply you say, Lord Jesus, I have been wandering around in tombs, chasing dead things, trying to find life. 
and I have found nothing but death. Today, I turn my attention to you, Jesus. I ask you to wash me clean, forgive me of my sin, give me a brand new life. And then you say, Lord Jesus, I turn my back on the tomb of dead things. And with my whole life, in the best way that I know how, I commit my whole life to following you, Jesus, and to pursuing life. Thank you for going through all that you did just to come find me. Now you take a moment, and in the stillness of your heart, you just tell him thank you, you tell him sorry, whatever it is you need to do. Jesus, I give my whole life to you. This is a really cool holy moment. Nobody's looking around. Um, uh, It's just going to be you, me, and the Lord. But if you invited Jesus into your heart for the very first time, or maybe you rededicated your life to the Lord today, and you said that prayer and meant it with all of your heart, would would you just slip your hand up so that I can see it? Just hold it there for a second. Oh, that's awesome. Boy, that is awesome. All right, now put your hand down. Wow. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name, Jesus. Just before I say a, well, let me go ahead and say amen, and then we're gonna clap for those people that raise their hand to either invite Jesus into the heart for the very first time or rededicate their life to the Lord. We're gonna celebrate when I say amen. We thank you, Lord, for new life. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen.